You're listening to the Centre Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message, recorded live from our Brighton campus. Okay, so, can anyone tell me what, what day it is? Pentecost Sunday. She's got it. She knows what she's talking about. Okay, um, Pentecost Sunday. So we, we're... Uh, we are a Pentecostal church, in case you didn't know, in case you weren't aware. And um, today is Pentecost Sunday, and so we're celebrating the time when um, when the Holy Spirit was given to the church, to the, those first early disciples, those first early followers of Jesus, received the Holy Spirit for the first time. So that's what we remember on, on Pentecost Sunday. And um, I've got a little video that we're just going to watch that will dramatize it for us. What happened that day, when the Spirit arrived, when the Holy Spirit came? What happened then? It got loud, loud enough to be heard all over town. Fire appeared, divided and dispersed to each of them. The outsiders came running, and they heard the fire talkers tell of God's mighty works in their own language. Parthians, Medes, Elamites, people from Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, Libya, Rome, Jews, proselytes, Cretans, and Arabians. The Spirit had come to describe the glory of God in their native tongues through those who followed Christ. These representatives of the world stood astounded but curious, bewildered but ready. Then Peter showed them from the scripture exactly what it meant, revealing God's promise to all who trust in Jesus. And many believed, and many repented, and many were baptized, and many were saved. The Spirit had come. The church was born. There we go. The spirit to come. The church was born. Um, so that's that's taken um, from a passage in Acts, um, which I think I've got printed out, and I don't need to use this. Um, which is Acts two one verses one to twenty one. Um, so I'll quickly read through it because. Obviously, that's that's a dramatized version, but it's it's also good to get in our heads the the text as it's as it's written. So, um, Acts two verses one to twenty one says this: uh, When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now there were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all these who speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our own native language? Parthians, Medes, and Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontius and Asia, 
Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said, they have had too much wine. <coughs> then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned into darkness, the moon to blood, before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Amen. So that's, that's the passage that we, that we have there. Um, and today is Pentecost Sunday. Today is the day... 50 days after Resurrection Sundays, 50 days after we remember the resurrection of Jesus, where we remember what happened to the very earliest Christians um, after Jesus' resurrection and his ascension. And so basically, after Jesus' resurrection and his ascension up into heaven, he spent 40 days with the disciples, teaching them all sorts of things about the kingdom of God. Um, most of it is not actually recorded in the Bible. It would be nice if we had what Jesus said over those 40 days, but we have some of it, but not much. And um, But he was basically teaching them about the kingdom of God. That's what the Bible says. And, and then just before he ascended to heaven, um, or sorry, just after he ascended to heaven, there are these 10 days where basically nothing happens. Jesus told his disciples that he would send the Holy Spirit and that they should wait until they receive the Spirit. So he's there for 40 days after his resurrection. Then he ascends and then there's these 10 days of basically nothing happening. And I was thinking about that and I thought, well, have, have I found myself in a similar situation? Have you ever found yourself in a similar situation where, where you know something's coming and you've been promised it and you've got to wait? It's like you've got to wait for the delivery man to come. And sometimes you have to wait from nine till five all day and they still don't come. Um, and that's annoying. But anyway, no, you know, you know, it's going to be good. But sometimes you don't even know how it's really going to help you or what it is. Sometimes you're waiting for, for a gift. And it's like me with, with my birthday. I, I wasn't sure what people were going to get me. If they were, were they going to get me something nice? Would it be useful? Would it be helpful? Who knows? Um, I know I've been in that situation and I know that the waiting almost kills me sometimes. I'm like just the suspense, you know. Um, and I can only imagine how hard it would have been for followers of Jesus who've witnessed his life, his death, his resurrection and everything he's told them to then say, OK, but you need to wait. You've got to wait for 10 days. And, and he didn't tell them how long they would have to wait for. They didn't know it was going to be 10 days. It could have been 10 years. And that, that, that waiting period must have been a nightmare. 
and uh, I, I guess some of the questions that they could have had is how how do we know that we've got what he said he was going to send us what's it going to feel like what's it going to look like what if it's not actually that good what if he's promised us something and it's it's not that good really um, I can imagine having these thoughts as well I don't know if I don't know if you can you can imagine that and so Jesus tells them to wait after commissioning them to go. And he tells them, you can't do it on your own, but what I'm going to give you is going to empower you, enable you to do what I'm telling you to do. They have to wait for this mysterious Holy Spirit, this comforter that he says he's going to send. And you see, they knew the task. They'd been told that they had to go into all the world and make disciples, but they didn't know yet what tools they were going to get to do it. And so maybe you found yourself in that situation. You've been faced with a task and you just want to dig right in, but you don't have all the equipment or skills or knowledge. And all you can do is wait until the time is right. I was reminded, and I've not got the clip because it's probably the whole episode of this show, but have you ever seen, uh, have you ever seen Outnumbered? Has anyone ever seen Outnumbered? Uh, it's a funny show with these little kids. There's there's three little kids and the two adults, and and basically the the adults basically rule the house. It's kind of the premise of the show. And um, sorry, the children rule the house. Yeah, the children rule the house is the premise of the show. And um, and basically what happens is there's this one episode where the washing machine breaks down, and of course dad thinks he can fix it, but mum says you need to get a man in. And he's like, no, I don't need to get a man in. I can fix it. I can do it. And so they go through this the whole show and it keeps cropping back up and, and dad tries to fix it and he makes it worse and the kids try and fix it and they make it worse. And, and every, basically they needed someone with the knowledge and the skills and the expertise and the tools to actually do the job that needed to be done. So maybe you found yourself in that, in that situation. Um, sometimes that's excruciating. Sometimes that's really like, ah, I need to get it done. But there's something about the waiting period that I think God uses to make us into the people that he's called us to be. You know, sometimes spiritually there can be something that God's put on our hearts that we want to just go and do it, but now's not the right time. And that can sometimes be really difficult. Um, so as, as was mentioned before and as we've eaten cake, it was my birthday just recently and... Uh, those big milestones sometimes cause you to reflect a little bit and, and cause you to look back on, on your life and think about things. And I know for sure in my own life, like 100%, if God had revealed everything that he was going to use me in, every way that he was going to use me, um, even over the last 10 years, I would have I run a mile. I wouldn't have wanted to do it. Because I didn't plan my life to go the way that it's gone and the direction that it's gone. But God did, and he used me in ways that I couldn't have imagined and continues to use me in ways that I couldn't imagine. Um, and I think he's wanting to use each one of us in similar ways, that, that if he was to just tell us the whole thing, that probably we would just go, not for me, thank you, um, get someone else to do it. But actually... He reveals these things one step at a time and he, and he puts something else in front of us and, and encourages us to do something else. And, and I think that's where God begins preparing us. 
sometimes we don't like the waiting, the testing, the proving, but, that, but God prepares us in those times. And so after this waiting period, the day of Pentecost came and all the disciples were together in one place. The King James Version used to say, all the disciples were together in one accord. But I don't know how many, um, how many Japanese cars there were around in the first century. Um, sorry. I just like that joke. It's a good joke. So they're all together in one place and they experienced the presence of God like no group in history had ever experienced the presence of God before. And it was incredible. And as we read, read through the passage, um, we saw that something amazing happens. And they, they hear this sound like the blowing of a wind that comes from heaven, fills the whole house where they're sitting. And they see what looks like tongues of fire separated and come to rest on each one of them. This would have been like, what the heck is going on? Sort of crazy stuff. And, and all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit, not one or two of them, everyone. All of them were filled with the Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now that's amazing, right? And wouldn't we want to experience that presence of God right here, um, right today in, in, this, in this moment? And, and I think that would be amazing. I think that would be incredible. But there's another side to it. There's another side that we've not, um, that we've not discussed. And it's the reason for them experiencing the, the presence of God. See, they didn't just experience the presence of God so that they could all be in a room together and have a tingly experience and, and think this is amazing, this is great. You know, the tongues of fire that came down wasn't just for them in that room to enjoy themselves and, and go, wow, isn't God amazing? I can, I can feel the goosebumps of God just tingling down my spine. It was more than that. See, they were called to be presence carriers. Not present carriers, that's, that's what Santa does. <laughs> presence carriers. And um, they weren't called to be presence hoggers. So there's two things there. They were called to be presence carriers and they weren't called to be presence hoggers. And so that's, that's really key because, because I know that um, maybe for no one here, but maybe for some of us, maybe for some people that we've come across, it can be a thing of, of sort of like going to all these different conferences, going to all these different places, chase sort of like a storm chaser, but a Holy Spirit chaser. Like just going to everything, it's like, oh, I just need more of you, God. I just, if I just had more of you, then I would be happy or my life would be better and I could just feel your presence and I could be in your presence. But God calls them to be presence carriers, not presence hoggers, because he calls them to go and do something with that. And when he gives his spirit to people and the increasing sort of measure that he gives his spirit and he um, sort of gives you that presence, it's so you can go and do something with it and tell someone about him and bring people into his kingdom, not so that we can just feel good and happy about ourselves. There's, a, there's that sort of next step that we've got to do with it. And this is, this is clear from the scripture because the whole reason why um, Jesus sent the Spirit in the first place was so that they could go and do what he called them to go and do. See, none of this was about experience or feeling. Jesus told them that they'd receive power when the Spirit came upon them. And as a result, they'd be his witnesses. So they receive power, and as a result, they'd be his witnesses. And looking at the second half of, of verse 11 in that passage that we read, um, which says, 
says we hear them. Is this right? Yeah. We hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. See, we see that each of one of those earliest followers declaring the wonders of God in the native language of these different people groups represented. And I'm not going to read them out again because I'll get them wrong again. Um, but they didn't experience the presence of God so that they could sort of speak in tongues in their own room and, and for their own experience. They went out straight away and they spoke to the people who were around them and declared the wonders of God to the people who were around them. They experienced the presence of God in order they could carry it so they could impart it to someone else. See, God uses each and every one of us if we allow him. And he gives us these experiences of his presence, not so that we can feel good or tingly, um, although that's nice too and that is helpful and that is part of it, but it's so that we can be empowered to win people into his kingdom. I'm going to drink the microphone here. Never get my hand around two things at once. It's, it's not good for me. Um, so briefly, I want to look into three elements of what it looks like to be a presence carrier. And the first one is that presence carriers live in freedom. If you notice how I've done three elements here, and we're, we're on Pentecost Sunday, we're Pentecostal. I thought I'd do like the three points thing. Don't normally do it, but I thought let's give it a go, see how it goes. Um, so the first one is presence carriers live in freedom. Now, 2 Corinthians 3 verse 17 says this. It says, now the Lord is spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. We sing it, don't we, in, in one of the songs that we sing, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And this passage is really interesting. If you look at the context around it, um, the writer is a guy named Paul, an apostle, um, and he, he references something about Moses in the Old Testament. And he, he talks about Moses sort of like, if you know the story of, back in Exodus of Moses, he went up onto the mountain and he spent time with God. And he received the Ten Commandments way back there in Exodus. And it comes down from the mountain and his face is glowing. And his face was glowing because he'd been in the presence of God. And the Israelites, they couldn't look at Moses because of the glory of God that was shining from his face. So they got him to wear a veil to cover his face with this veil. And Paul references this story here in, in 2 Corinthians. And he says that the Israelites' minds were dull because of the veil. They only saw, they, they still look through the veil of the old way of things because the veil can only be removed in Christ. So this is what Paul says exactly. He says, only in Christ is it taken away. And he says that even now, when they read the books of Moses, a veil covers their hearts. But that when we turn to Jesus, that veil, that covering is lifted because we're carriers of that presence, that presence that, that Moses had and the, and the Israelites couldn't look at. We're carriers of that. And we have unveiled faces and we reflect the glory of God, just like Moses did, because we've encountered Jesus, because we've come to that place of encounter with Jesus. And we're being transformed into God's image. See, this is what's going on there. Now, I think this is incredible stuff because... Because we are presence carriers, we get to reflect like a mirror the glory of God. And so much so that people around us notice it. 
so much so that people can can look at you and, and go, there is something different about this guy or this girl. Hopefully not girl for me. Um, and that's what happened with Moses. And it's what we should what should be happening for each of us and what we should be experiencing. You see, people should be seeing the difference in us that comes from an encounter with the Holy Spirit. Not for our benefit or our, or our ego, but so that they can say, you know that there's a freedom that you have that I want. Like, why do you, why do you not care what like people are saying about you behind your back, or why you, why do you not seem to be too worried about this thing or that thing or the other thing? You know, what what is that freedom that that you have? And maybe it's not something they can even put their finger on. And just the, what is it about you that that I that draws me to you, sort of thing? And it's that encounter with the Spirit. So that we're reflecting the presence of God, who he is. The second thing that a presence carrier has is adoption. Or the presence carrier knows is adoption. You see, we're adopted into, we're grafted into the family of God. And the spirit of God is proof that we've been accepted and brought into the family of God. Romans 8, 14 to 17 says this. It says, For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now if we are children, then we are heirs. Heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his sufferings, in order that we may also share in his glory. See, the Spirit doesn't make us slaves. Paul says it actually brings about our adoption to sonship. You, you know, the Greek word for this phrase, adoption to sonship, actually carries this sense of a full legal standing, a full legal status um, of adoption. So God, by his spirit, has given us the full status of sons or daughters. What it means to be a son or daughter is it's it's an irrevocable legal sort of document that that was around. That was the technical word for it. And so one commentator um, called Ernst Kaiserman said that Paul mentions the positive consequences of adoption in order to show its irreversibility. Does that make sense? Paul mentions the positive consequences of adoption in order to show its irreversibility. It's fantastic news. The heir of God, the co-heir with Christ, has obtained by the Spirit this full legal rights of a son or a daughter. Along with God and along with Christ, through the Spirit, we participate in the rule and reign of God. He says, this is, uh, this is Kaysman again, he says, for, for all our vulnerability, the coming glory is all, also already anticipated. See, we have a unique position. We, we have a position of, as carriers of the presence of God in a way that none in history before Christ could do. Not en masse and not for, for sort of that legal Status. There were times in the Old Testament where the Spirit would come on people for a time and, and the Spirit would, would be 
um, God would use his spirit through people for a time and then it would leave again or it would not be on a person or group of people. But through, through Christ, we have been adopted. It's an irrevocable um, sort of eternal status that, we, that we've gained as, as adopted sons or daughters. And that actually means that we have this gift of the Spirit that's, that's, and we've been able to be adopted into the family of God, which I just think is fantastic. You know, at the end of the video, it said that the church was born on the day of Pentecost. And in a very real way, we're the children who are now part of that family. The family of God, God's plan for the redemption of the world. The only place that he displays and manifests his spirit is within his church. And you and I are part of that movement. You know, it's not easy carrying the presence of God with you. And it's not going to be easy. Paul says we share in his sufferings. And you know about Jesus' suffering, his, his death, his flogging, his, everything that he went through, the, the just intense nature of how much the cross was suffering. And how those earliest followers were, um, like if we look through the um, church history, those earliest followers were almost all of them martyred, almost all of them killed. Um, it, was only, it was only John that actually managed to die in, in relatively old age. And he suffered sort of attempted murder and went through all that sort of stuff. And, and just crazy when you read up on what ha- actually happened to those earliest followers of Jesus. You know, if anyone ever told you that the Christian life is, is all plain sailing or easy... Um, and you won't get people who are who are against you, and everyone will think, "Oh, that's nice, that's good for you," or whatever. Then don't believe them because it's not it's not easy. It's a tough it's a tough road, um, but it's it's the only place that we can experience the spirit of God, the presence of God, and the freedom of God. See, we have a hope and a future. We have a promise of eternity. We've been adopted. The third thing, um, and this is the last thing that I want to mention, is that presence carriers know the power of God. I've got a little quote from Benjamin Franklin, one of the founding fathers of America. He said, in this world, nothing can be said to be certain except death and taxes. I thought that'd be a nice uplifting quote for each of us. Nothing can be said to be certain except death and taxes. see in the world death is final right death is the end is it not there's no coming back from death that's it in the in the old testament the the prophet prophet ezekiel was taken up in the spirit in a kind of vision experience with god and god shows him this valley of dry bones you may be familiar with the story and and there's a vast army of people who've been dead for a long time their bones have dried it's like emphasized that they've been they've been there for a while and God asks the questions can these bones live and the logical answer is well no of course not they're dead and Ezekiel even in the presence of God he doesn't want to overcommit he says 
uh, only you know God. Sounds a really spiritual answer, doesn't it? Only you know God. But actually, it's his way of going, I don't think so. But maybe, I don't know. So so that's what, that's what he does. He says, only you know God. And, and God says, Ezekiel, I want you to prophesy over these bones. And the bones, they begin to join together and grow muscles and skin and tendons. And it goes into all this detail of what happens. And, and, they, and they rise up. And then God's like, prophesy that they'll, they'll sort of um, receive life. And God breathes into them, breathes his, his breath, his wind, his spirit into them. And they receive life, this new life. And do you know the presence of God can defeat death? Do you know the presence of God can defeat death? Do we know that? Yes, we know that. God's power raised Christ from the grave. And just 50 days before Pentecost, just 50 days before this outpouring of his spirit, Jesus was raised. And Romans 8, 11 tells us that the same power that raised Christ from the grave is living in us. Now, if we get our heads around that, as presence carriers, we carry power. Now, how strong is that power? It's the same power that raised Christ from the grave. If It says this in Romans 8, 11, If the same spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in you. That power of God that raised Christ from the dead lives in each one of us who, who have called, who have become Christians, who have asked Jesus to be our Lord and Saviour, have said, have said, Jesus is Lord and believed in our hearts that God's raised him from the dead. That spirit comes and lives in us and, ad- and we're adopted into God's family. We found freedom and that power and that presence of God is something we carry with us wherever we go. It's more than a feeling. See, the Holy Spirit is more than just a feeling of going like being wanting to raise your hands up or just that moment where the the music's a certain way and the, and you get all the goosebumps and you're like oh yes god's here i'm feeling him feeling him here like if that's the power of god if the power of god's limit is to give me goosebumps i'm sorry but i'm i'm not following what it says in in the text because what it says in the text is that the power of god is strong enough to raise christ from the grave not to give me goosebumps and make me feel good. You know, we carry something that's that's incredibly strong. His spirit's a p- spirit of power. Second Timothy one seven says that God's not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. In Romans eight again it says that we're not slaves to fear. God hasn't given us this spirit of fear, but we're filled with his presence. Um, Ephesians 5.18, I've got it on the, on the thing there. It says, be filled with the spirit. Be filled with the spirit. It's a call. It's, a, it's a, um, something we're told to do. It's like, be filled with it. Don't just, don't just passively go, okay, so when, when, I was, um, when I said to God, you know, yeah, I want to be adopted into your family. Yeah, I want to be called your son or your daughter. That's that's enough for me. That's that's it. I'm sorted. 
and then if I have those nice moments here and there, that's that's great. But Ephesians 5 actually tells us, be filled with the Spirit. That's calling us to do something. It's calling us to say, okay, I'm, a, I'm an empty vessel, God, come and fill me. Come and do something in my life. You know, I could go on and on, and I really don't want to keep us for too long. But let me say this. When you decided to follow Jesus, you received the Holy Spirit. That's how you were adopted into God's family. If you follow that, that passage um, that we read earlier, that's, that's how the whole adoption thing works. It's through the Spirit. Romans 10.9 says that if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead, we will be saved. And, but there's another thing that I want to give a little time to, um, and that is to say that there's, there's an infilling of the Holy Spirit that you can receive. And I want to do, I know we're only small in number, um, but I want to maybe sing um, the song Spirit Fall again. And because... Julian, could you maybe get Hannah or something? Oh, Giovanni will go and get Hannah. Because we'll sing that and, um, and Karen will play. Hopefully you'll be all right with that. And we're going to spend a little bit of time praying. And I'm going to ask us to stand up if we can. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast at Centre Church. One church passionately loving God and people in Burgess Hill and Brighton. To get the latest news or for any other information, check out our website at www.centrechurch.uk.